thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. On today's show, I am joined by a man who believes that to be more wealthy or to be wealthy and successful, the key thing is to be healthy. Hallelujah. I absolutely agree. So today I'm joined by John Pearl. He is a fellow wellness coach podcaster. He has a show called Smashed Avocado, which is on the wellness couch. Totally check it out. He hosts that show with another guy called Andy, and they are two business owners who have more than just a love of numbers, business, and success as they connect with high achievers, explore successful habits, and share their learnings to help you lead an extraordinary life. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So John is a wealth advisor. He's a dad and he brings all of his passion around health and wellness and lifestyle to see people succeed professionally and financially without sacrificing their health or well-being. Because as we know, that is, we've all been there, right? (laughs) Raise your hand, sister. We've all been there. We have sacrificed our own health, whether that be mental, spiritual, physical, whatever it may be, emotional. We've sacrificed that and we've sacrificed relationships and we've taken away from all of those aspects of our life to better ourselves professionally and financially. But really, you know, John is all about having an understanding that to succeed in your career and in your family life and in your business, you need to... Uh, play a long game. And to play the long game, you need support, education, and encouragement because John reckons that, let's face it, if you're struggling in health or happiness, it's difficult to be financially successful. Can I get a hallelujah? (laughs) Because it's true, right? It's true. I really believe that when we clean up our diet, when we clean up our lifestyle, um, and we focus more on, you know, uh, getting a handle on stress, uh, spending more time in nature, then you get the best freaking business ideas. That's when you get the best ideas. You don't get a lot of your creative ideas when you're stuck behind a computer trying to squeeze out creative ideas. Like, really? I get my best creative ideas when I'm doing some domestic duties, like hoovering is a really good one for me. I hoover my floor every day just in case some some amazing idea needs to download. I don't know if it's the white noise and just the mindless. It's almost relaxing, isn't it? You're like, oh, this is good. I'm on top of the housework. Yes, sister. Boom. In comes an idea. Wow. I have to run off and write some notes in between between vacuuming, hoovering. What a palm, hey? Dear me. Um, Yeah, so really interesting to have John on the show because I've never had 
anyone on the show from like kind of financial advisory, business, wealth management kind of um, viewpoint. So it's really interesting. And I love when John shares his transformational stories of how, you know, he's helped stressed out uh, career people to, you know, that they're just putting so many hours into their business, but their family life suffering, they're not actually very happy and how they can put in some basic primal lifestyle changes um, into their life and just really turn things around. And, and why not? Because if you're not doing what you love and you're not loving what you do, what's the point? Which leads me very nicely <laughs> to say that this show today is brought to you by the Primalista Baking Franchise. So as you know, I have created, or you might not know actually, I've created a business at doing something that I love which is helping make it, help making, I don't even know what I like to do. <laughs> no, I do. I like to make grain-free easy and I want to make it easy for people on a health journey to be able to just choose a different uh, product in the shop so they don't need to go without their pizzas, they don't need to go without their toast, they don't need to go without their cookies or their pastry or their jellies. They can just buy a beautiful product that's grain free that's been locally produced that's made with real food nutrient dense ingredients instead how easy is that that is really does help um help make life easy and even if you love to bake and um you, you make your own breads and grain free breads and stuff yourself it's just nice to have the option to have a night off sometimes you know you know you don't just have a night off love here buy a pizza from the shop it's as good as something you would make yourself. So as a health coach, I was finding that when I um, said to people, you know, like, you know, eat plants and animals, spend more time in nature, you know, they'd be like, oh, it's just really hard to spend all of that time prepping all of that food from scratch. I haven't got time. And so they do really well Monday to Thursday. Then on Friday, they just run out of inspiration and motivation. And they're like, nah, sod it. and got to take away. And then they just wash it down with a bottle of wine, then finish off that litre of ice cream in the freezer and, and just felt absolutely awful. So I really created this range to help people stop falling off the wagon. The range was such a hit with my crew down here in Albany in WA. That's where I am on 100 acres of bush in my little shed, which I love so much. Um, and so I blasted my range to the whole of Australia by franchising my successful business model so that other women with a passion for clean living and who love to bake like me could also share their passion with their community and meanwhile create a job that they could do from home, contribute to the family finances and yeah, how cool is that? And to be part of an incredible national network of local producers which we call the Primalisters. The Primalistas are primal alternative producers. So if you're like, wow, what a cool idea, then go and check out uh, primalalternative.com forward slash franchise for all the lowdown. I host fortnightly demos and live demos, usually on my Primal Alternative Facebook page. Um, so go and check that out and you can view one of those. Um, and if it's something that really appeals to you, the next step is to book a Primalista discovery call. So you and I'll sit down for half an hour and we'll look at your area, 
where the potential stockists could be and how you want this business to look in your life. So in South Australia, which is where John's from, welcome to all of our South Australians. A big warm hello from WA over to you. We have got Kirsty in the Barossa Valley and Prime Minister Shelley in Adelaide. So if you want to try some of our delicious range, you can head over to our website, primalalternative.com forward slash primalistas, and you can get in touch with Prime Minister Shelley or Prime Minister Kirsty, and they can get together a special order for you and post it to you. Or you can check out our online shop. So it's primalalternative.com forward slash shop. And you can, yeah, get whatever you like, huh? Get whatever you like, baby. And uh, yeah, get yummy, delicious homemade goodies sent out to you. All right. Well, as ever, I will be starting off the show asking John Pearl what he had for breakfast. I do, I'm just realizing now that in the interview, I didn't ask him how we can get in touch with him if we want to work with him, but I'm going to include all of that in the show notes. So do click to there. If you want to get in touch with John, his details will be there. Welcome to the show, John. Hello, how are you going? Very good, very good. So cool to have you here. My fellow Wellness um, Couch podcaster. Yeah, very cool to hang out with one of my yeah, fellow podcasters. Very nice. Collaboration is good. I love it. I love it. So <laughs> tell us what you had for breakfast. I didn't. Ooh. Didn't have breakfast. <laughs> Is that a I, uh, I'm, fasting I'm intermittent thing fasting. Yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been mucking around with intermittent fasting for the last two or three months now, um, and it's taken me probably two or three months to work out how to actually do it <laughs> properly. Um, the first probably four weeks, six weeks, I got it completely wrong and was in calorie deficit, and losing a lot of weight. And, yeah, didn't quite uh, didn't quite get it right, but now I'm on track and uh, and loving it. So I didn't have breakfast. You didn't have breakfast. That's really interesting. So how how does it look? How does doing it right look for you? Yeah, so for me, uh, my last meal is typically around eight eight or nine o'clock at night, roughly, depending on when we get our little one down. Uh, so that'll be my my last meal. And then I try to have around a 14-hour fast. That tends to be my goal. So I tend not to eat till around 11 a.m. the next day. Um, and then my first meal has to be a good quality meal. So um, some, some meats, veg, uh, something along those sort of lines. Um, I think that was where I started to go wrong in the early days was my first meal was just whatever. You know, it could have been a big bowl of oats or something like that, which, you know, wasn't working for me so yeah so that'll be my first meal then I'll just sort of fill the rest of the day always with with good foods but um just making sure that I get enough food in so that I can do the fast again the next day so mm. that was another one of the errors I found was you know work can get a little busy sometimes and I get to night time and I just go to bed and realize I'd only had kind of two and a half meals in the day um and I'd go and fast the next day and before I knew it you'd done that four or five days in a row and I was yeah, losing a lot of weight. <laughs> wow. If only it was that easy for <laughs> for everybody. Um, I think probably – I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's just so interesting how it works for different people because um, I've got a slightly underactive thyroid and intermittent fasting yep. doesn't make any difference to me at all. And, you know, going oh, keto. Wow. Or, yeah, it's really – yeah, there's a lot of uh, 
weight loss resistance for me at the moment. Yeah. It's really frustrating when you, you know, you feel like you're doing everything right and, you know, you're nailing the, the food and the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Doing what you love, you know, but, but anyway, this story, this show is about me, about you, John. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Not no, me. let's explore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to come on your show and tell you all. Of, tell you all my done. My story. done. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> so take us back to um to your story. Like, where did this start? I love the fact that you are giving people permission to be healthy and wealthy, and giving them some really cool uh, tools and strategies to make that happen. But how did that all start? Yeah, look, I mean, my journey kind of goes right back to when I was uh, a little, 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 little boy and <laughs> got diagnosed with hyperactivity. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was sort of four or five years old, I, I was a mad, mad, mad little child and mum and dad were trying to work out what was going on. And, uh, you know, fast forwarding a few years as we worked out, it was hyperactivity. My diet had to change rapidly. So, you know, kind of cleaning up a lot of what, what I ate as a young child um, and that progressed all the way through into my sort of young adulthood and teenage years and progressed through into then as I got way more into my sports as a, as a young boy uh, and, and the kind of two came together then about eating well and, and I used to move a lot, I used to play a lot of sports um, so always inherently there was an interest in, in movement and, and also in in the food side of things. Uh, and then once I, I you know, kind of finished school and worked out what, what the heck was I going to do with my my life, um, I didn't have a clue. So I, I disappeared back to the UK to dig holes for 12 months to work out what I wanted to do and, and then decided that getting into wealth advisory was for me. So that's sort of now been 14 years of, of doing the wealth advisory piece and it kind of dawned on me about four years ago that, you know, why aren't I bringing all these sort of loves and interests together? There's clearly a, you know, a market for it and, and also just my own personal satisfaction. So, yeah, four, four years ago I started up my own firm and that kind of freed me, took the shackles off to enable me to you know, talk a lot more openly in the market around you know, health and wellness movement and, and how that absolutely 100% correlates back to how well you perform at, at, um, at work, in the business or, or whoever you work for. So in the t- traditional, you know, wealth advisory paradigm, is there much talk of food and lifestyle being correlated to how wealthy you are or not really? No, absolutely not. And that, that's sort of what dawned upon me was that, you know, our industry is still very much in that, archaic mindset of you know to to get a new client you must have a big boozy lunch you know four or five days a week you must network you must have late nights you must drink 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 and and that's the only way to get business but it's it's definitely not not with this huge shift globally to to health and, and to wellness that people are changing and our industry is slowly starting to realize that that you know clients are happy to you know, I train with one of my clients every week. Um, they're happy to to eat well and move well, and that they don't have that expectation of those sort of big boozy lunches all the time. Um, but on the flip side of that, they also realise then that well, you're delivering a better quality of work day in day out, so they know that what they're receiving from you as you know, their advisor is 
is uh, better than you know people that are, are turning up to work hungover or you know with headaches and and the, and the like from poor diet and poor movement and the colds like like I used to work in that corporate I call it the nineties <laughs> the nineties way of living where you yeah. know you worked hard you went you basically spent you know from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night in a um, high rise office building where you're all crammed into an open plan space you know, with yep. no fresh air, strip lighting, um, really poor facilities, going out for a break. Like I used to sneak off to the gym in my lunch break. <laughs> like and I, you had to sneak. Like if your boss saw you go, yeah. it was hugely frowned upon. But really, like I'd go off to the gym, you know, and you take some nice deep breaths when you're working out and you come back and you're like, oh, that's the answer to the problem that I had this morning. I've worked it out because I've had a break and recharged myself. Um, but, yeah, so I really, I really get that. And also the corporate lifestyle I was in was the boozy lunches and the disgusting mm. networking at wine and cheese nights where you just had to make you – know, it wasn't genuine. It really used to rub me up the wrong way and I thought that I was failing, mm. you know, because I wasn't any good at it because it was so inauthentic to me. It was like we're only mm. – we're not really wanting to be friends with this person. We're just doing this because we want their money. And that really, really didn't, you know, it didn't sit well with me. Whereas like now networking is awesome because I'm actually hanging out with the people that my, <laughs> who are my people, you know, who've got aligned values around health and wellness. And, and now it's just so much um, easier to, to, you know, advance in your career when you're doing something that's more aligned and authentic with what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and and I think inevitably those sort of events still still have to occur. Um, you know, I, I host a, a wine night every quarter um, for clients and for for business partners. But the actual vibe is that the right word? The actual kind of feel of the nights are, are very different now. It's not about you know turning up to get hammered drunk. It's about you know, having good conversations with good people, some great food and, and tasting some, some great wines from, you know, South Australia. We're, we're pretty lucky with the wineries we have on our doorstep. So sampling some nice wines. And I think so the feel of these sort of nights has, is starting to change. And, and I certainly am, am doing them a lot differently to what we were 10 years ago, which was let's go to some dingy restaurant, let's have four bottles of red on the table and let's not leave until they're all gone. <laughs> they were fun nights though weren't they <laughs> but they just were, not they were pretty good it was always just the next day <laughs> when you had to go to work again it wasn't that cool no um yeah but it was fun but i'm glad that it's changing absolutely because i think we're ready for a change you know like we couldn't carry <laughs> couldn't carry on at that pace for much longer without no. dying so that that's that's kind of good no so tell me about wealth advisory what what does that mean to you like i don't fully and i know what a financial advisor is but i don't really understand mm. what a wealth advisor is yeah look it's probably more of a modern day term for the old financial planner uh, financial planner you, you sort of conjure up images of like you say this 1990s person selling your life insurance and and telling you how to put money in super and that was about it and then on to his next or her next client um, wealth advisory what, what we do is a little bit different in that um, I only look after a very small group of clients I'm very lucky that you know, I get to spend a lot of time with my clients but um, where it's a bit different is that I look at the whole theme, the whole picture. So I look at someone's, someone personally, someone professionally, I look at their family, I look at their business, I look at their assets, I look at their estate planning, I look at how do we 
make the succession plan of the business work, of the money work. So it's collaborating really, really closely with the family, with, with their business, with their accountants, lawyers, bankers, um, and, and spending a lot more time with, with the clients than the typical old sort of financial planning model, which was, you know, I service 2,000 clients and I see them once every 18 months. And, um, yeah, it, it's, I guess, a more modern high touch version kind of like a, a family office style offering for our clients hmm. so is is um is this wealth advisory is it just for people who've made it who've got bankers and lawyers and accountants or, or can it be for people <laughs> who who desire to be wealthy and want to have you know like when you when you when you have anything in life that you know a goal that you want to get to you you have a plan of how you're going to get there can it be for people like that who who are aspiring to be wealthy or more wealthy yes and no as in <laughs> uh, my business we, we serve as, I guess, um, a certain type of client. So we look after high net worth individuals and families who do have a lot of those existing professionals in their lives um, that have accrued a, a significant amount of wealth um, and that do require a lot of your attention. But on the flip side, again, that you know, we're, we're sort of working with some up-and-coming professionals, so a lot of you know, young medicos, um, young sort of executives that are progressing pretty quickly that need to start putting things in place now so that it doesn't sort of happen in 10 years' time when it's too late. Um, but what I'd, I'd like to do, though, is, you know, and I, and I want to do more of this is more you know, sort of seminars or videos to help people that might not have the, the financial means to say, well, okay, I'd, I'd love to engage you for, for 12 months to, to take care of us. Um, I'd like to put more of that sort of information out there. Um, you know, definitely everyone can go see a, a financial advisor uh, or you know, or a wealth advisor, but um, unfortunately, I guess not everyone gets to have the sort of contact hours that we spend with our clients. Um, but again, that's why I'm sort of really wanting to you know put put some more general information out there so everyone can access it to to start them on their journey. So your your tagline on your email is work hard, eat clean, move regularly. Do you want to tell us a little bit more yep. about your philosophies and what you think the key elements are to making improvements in your wealth? Yeah, look, it, it's a it's a full package for me. I mean, I think yeah, absolutely, you have to enjoy what you do. You have to be good at what you do. Um, that's I think obviously a, a given, really. Um, but it's it's the other things. It's the you know, yes, working hard is a huge part of it. It doesn't come easy when people say, "Oh, geez, you're so lucky to have that house," or "You're so lucky to have you know, that that holiday you just had." But there's no such thing as luck. I mean, I'm still yet to meet people outside of someone that's inherited wealth or won the lottery that hasn't had to work darn hard to to get the spoils of their rewards. So, you know, working hard a bit, working hard is a, a big part of um, what we do with clients and also what what they're doing themselves. But then to work hard, your kind of body has to be operating as, as best as it can to to be able to work hard at work, but then still come home and be a you know, a, a great partner or a, you know, a family member or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's where the kind of the movement and the, and the nutrition side comes into it in that, you know, people who are 
pushing the pushing the envelope or, or want to you know you need to fuel yourself correctly you can't eat all that bad food you can't have all that alcohol every day um and then expect to to operate at your peak you know your body's going through peaks and troughs if you're just smashing lollies constantly throughout the day to get you in for example um and the moving regularly piece for me is again it, most of our jobs are pretty sedentary right we just sit at sit in our chair we stare at screens and and we do that for eight to 10, 12 hours a day and the body wasn't designed to do that. So for me, making sure people is, uh, are moving is, is vital. I mean, you know, exercise or movement is you know, the natural energy boost. So f- for me, it's making sure people are aware to, to get out there and to, to move. But um, overarching that is they need to enjoy what they do though. Enjoying what you do, like that's a huge one, isn't it? To have To actually be doing something, yeah, that you really love because there are a lot of people out there in what I call soul-sucking jobs, right? But they, they, it's kind of got that golden handcuffs that they, they can't leave it because it's, you know, the salary is so good. Or the, you know what I mean? So tell me, talk to me a little bit yeah. more about how important it is to be doing something that you actually, you know, to have that link between your passion and your career. Yeah, look, and, and I think enjoying what you do extends to, to all facets of you know the old email signature right i mean um like you say with your with work you absolutely have to love what you're doing um but you should also have interest outside of work i mean i think having only work in your life i think that's pretty unhealthy to me having something uh, outside of it a sport or a hobby or whatever it is that something else you enjoy is it's just as in is important you know i don't think it's healthy to spend 24 7 thinking working and thinking about thinking about work to me you've got to have that other um piece of enjoyment in your life and and that's where we do see people come into you know i guess a few issues and that's where they get caught up in like you say corporate life of going well my job's okay it pays well and you know i I see the corporate ladder so i'll just stick at it and for me to climb that corporate ladder well everyone here rides bikes so i'm going to go and buy all the cycling gear and become a cyclist so i can cycle with the groups that will help me climb the ladder, but they hate it every time they get on the bike, but they know they love playing badminton. Play badminton then. Don't <laughs> don't cycle if you hate it. So I think um, everything we should do, we should be certainly certainly enjoying it. Otherwise, it, it translates into not only a physical appearance, and I mean as in, you know, if you look like a, a miserable person, there's a, there's a pretty good reason as to why. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, that's going to come across across to your clients, across to your your team members. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that enjoyment piece is, is a huge part of it. And like you say, following your passion. Yeah, this this is I mean this this was one for us, and, and is kind of like a whole podcast in itself. Um, the whole following your your passion angle. Um, I'm I'm a bit of a Christmas Grinch on this one. Um, I, I I say to people, tread carefully when you follow your passion. Um, and maybe it's my cautious side coming out, but um, often I've seen people quit doing what they're doing day to day. You know what their job is, what their work is, um, to become ABC because that's what they love to do. And the example I give from experience is. You know, someone that quit a job that was a great job because they love to train. They love training uh, and that's what they did. They quit and they became a, a, a PT and now mm-hmm. they hate it. They hate <laughs> it. They hate oh, no. And it's because, because what was a hobby and what was enjoyment to them has now just become a means 
to generate income. So they're back doing a job that they're tolerating um, because they never really explored what the passion was, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So it's a bit like um, me enjoying having massage and then becoming a massage therapist. It's like it's totally correct. <laughs> and then realizing this is awful because this I'm, is really hard. My work. hands are sore and <laughs> standing on my feet all day. Um, absolutely. So I sort of say, absolutely, you should definitely love what you're doing. Everyone has a passion, but I think my tips for people are when you want to start exploring a passion as a career, start introducing introducing that passion or that love into your day more and more frequently and more and more often in different ways until you get to such a point that it's really taking up a lot of your time and you're realizing, no, I'm still enjoying it and I can see myself doing this full time. And, you know, there's a lot of YouTubers and, and podcasters that talk about, you know, sort of hustling and, you know, working, working when you get home on your passion and that sort of stuff. And I, I kind of agree to it to an element that I think you, you need to realize what it is you want to do, start incorporating that into your daily life. And then as long as you're still enjoying it and as long as you're, um, it's becoming viable to make that a full-time thing, then make the plunge. Don't. Don't just quit doing what you're doing uh, to follow you know, what you think is your passion. Mm. Good advice. That's really good advice. So, John, tell us what does eat clean, what does that mean to you? Yeah, look, I, and I stole this from Tim Robards. I, um, I caught up with him a few months back and I really like the way he approaches his eat clean philosophy and it's something that, I think is a really achievable way and maintainable way to eat, uh, especially like we said for people you know, that you know, are professionals or, or, or work in a, an office environment, for example. And that is eating clean is 70, 20, 10. So 70% super clean, 20% sensible and 10% relaxed. <laughs> so it means most of your diet should be super clean. 20% should be still healthy, quality, good food and 10% have that cake, it's fine. It's not going to kill you. Um, but as long as you keep within those boundaries, then you're maintaining a what I think is a, a long-term way of eating where I see people often fall off is, you know, I want to make a change. I want to eat, I start eating better. I want to lose weight. I want to feel better. Um, that's it. I'm becoming a vegan. Mm. And you think, okay, you're going from eating either really poorly or not really looking at what they do to I'm cutting out everything and I'm becoming vegan or I'm going to eat paleo or, you know, these extreme ways of eating straight away that after three months they've dropped off and they said, oh, that was all too hard and they've gone back to doing what they were doing. So, yeah, my, my, clean, my, my um, eating clean is sort of a sensible way of eating in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that. I've, I've heard of 80-20, but I've never heard of 70-20-10. And it, that does make sense because, and, and it's true, you know, no matter what um, tag you put on it, whether it's vegan or paleo or vegetarian or whatever it's going to be, it can still totally be a junk food-based diet. You know, I think really what you're saying is, you know, eat you know, as, as close to nature as possible. But whether you're a vegan yep. or whether you're a paleo, it's completely the opposite. Like eat closer to nature. I think we can 
all agree on that, right? And um, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. And that is, you're right. Like, <laughs> we're just here. You know, we're just here for this one human experience and it doesn't have to, it's not going to be any, it's not going to work if it's all deprivation and yeah. What's the point? Absolutely. It's, it's not going to be a sustainable long, long-term way of eating if, you know, every time you, you think about eating a piece of cake, you sort of, you know, give yourself a Chinese burn and go, oh, that was awful. I should be thinking about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, if, you're not, if you're not eating cake every day, you're fine. Yes. Um, just keep within those boundaries. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Do you have in your life any rituals um, or non-negotiables that you attribute to you being healthy and wealthy? Healthy and wealthy. All right. Um, from a daily perspective, um, I, I have my little, you know, my way of starting the morning. I guess that's, that's one ritual, I suppose, you know, my, my intermittent fasting and I do have a, a glass of lemon, warm lemon water with apple cider vinegar every morning as well. Um, so that's probably one little, little ritual. Um, not so much a ritual, but I guess for me it's a, uh, what I call a has to. Um, I have to train four days a week. Now, okay, sometimes that's just not going to happen, but that's my my number that I've set for myself. Um, people sometimes think I'm out there training six days a week or seven days a week. Where you know, when you're you're running a business, when you've got a a twelve month old at home, um, life can get a bit hectic. So for me, I said, right, well, four days is is my number. It seems to be the you know, childcare is Tuesday, Thursday, so I'll train. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and that's my you know that's my non-negotiable unless it has to be uh, another way. But you know that's so four is, is my day, so that's a I guess one part of my um, routine or my ritual. So is that kind of like um, an that, out, that, is that kind of like a, an outlet for you, John? You know, like for the stress and it, you know just that you know like it's like if you're running your business, you've got a young child, your dad, is that your release? Hundred percent. Yeah. Look, I've tried countless different types of meditation, and it's just not for me. I can't turn my head off. I was one step away from putting, you know, my emails on my phone while I was in a float tank. You know, I, I just said I can't. I can't, I can't do this. Um, my mind just won't turn off. So I, I sort of, you know, I. I thought about all the different types of meditation after I you know, reflected on them. And for me, hey, that's meditating. Fine. You're reflecting on meditation techniques. Well, there you go. Essentially, I, meditation. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> <laughs> um, movement, movement is my meditation. It, it, it is my you know, hour, hour and 15 for, uh, that I trained for four days a week that I'm thinking about nothing else other than what I'm doing at that point in time. And I'm having a laugh and I'm, I'm, I'm making that time count. And then when I leave the gym, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a heck of a lot better. I don't feel like going home and having beers. I don't feel like eating bad food. I, I feel, you know, completely de-stressed. So, yeah, it's, it's my form of, of meditation. And that's, it comes back to, again, enjoying that. I don't think people, if, you know, if they force themselves into a gym environment or if they force themselves on a bike, I don't think they would have that same feeling of relief and, and de-stressing if they're hating every moment of, of what they're doing. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of to the world side. Yeah, yeah. And, and that all goes back to, you know, what you were mentioning before, like doing what you love. Like if it's not what you love, then you're not going to enjoy it and what's the point? It's not going to 
contribute to anything worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, like I said, it, it does certainly transfer into you know, how you conduct yourself and how you come across to your, your colleagues or teammates. And, and even when you step in the front door at home, it comes across. And if you've, if you've not enjoyed yourself and, and you've not had fun doing what you're doing, then you're going to look pretty miserable and you're going to come across like that. And that's not a great way to, to operate in the work environment or, or at home. So yeah, in, enjoyment in, in that time of, of uh, training or whatever your form of release is, if it's enjoyable, you, you, you bounce back into the office or you bounce back into home ready to, to tackle what's on the other side mm-hmm. of that, that door. And from a, a wealth perspective, I think that's a huge part of it is that I sort of say to clients that you need to, again, have that outlet and, and you need to have um, you know, time to, your, to yourself outside of your business or your work that you know, lets you relax and reflect and and have some moment of enjoyment. And, and when you come back to work, you, you're more energetic, you're more energized, you've got clearer thought. Um, and that translates then into to whatever it is you're delivering. Mm. It's awesome. It's wonderful advice. And I heard that Richard Branson spends a lot of time away from his business doing completely non-related business things because that's where he mm. gets the best um, creative ideas from. So that's always, you know, because I think we come from a, uh, a generation where, we really have to work hard. I don't think it was, um, whether you're male or female, I don't think it was this strong. It was certainly not for my, my grandma. Like my grandma didn't understand mm. why I wanted to go to university and, and like have a job like a man. Like why didn't I just want to mm. stay home and have <laughs> bands, which is a northeastern <laughs> word for kids. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think we're in that generation where, um, you know, where we really feel, um, yeah, that we've got to work hard. So when you say to people, who've worked hard all their life you know you need to take a step back do something outside of your business there can be a certain element of guilt and you know um, feeling like you're doing something wrong so what I'd love to hear from you John is uh, if you can share any success stories of you know perhaps um, business owners who have been in that 90s paradigm that we've talked about um, where yeah. it's work, 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 and you know, relationships might be suffering, health might be suffering, uh, and then they've taken on some of your lifestyle tips to then, ha- like, can you sh- share any transformational stories with us? Yeah, look, I think a good one would be um, a, a young medico that I know well um, was having some issues with work life balance. As I know that's another whole topic in itself, but getting the hours. <laughs> The hours seeing patients right compared to the hours with family, um, getting a, a nice flow to the week, um, and then you know, finding time in that to to train and to, to exercise, and and none of them were lining up, and it was just making this person pretty miserable all the time, uh, and then that was really re- being reflected in his work because he was coming across being miserable to staff, um, and then this person was you know miserable at home and that was making home life pretty bad uh, and had all these great lofty expectations of where they wanted to be in 5, 10, 20 years time financially but didn't have the the mental capacity to, to deal with it um, because there was just no, no structure and enjoyment there and you know, so we sort of, sort of caught up several times and, and spoke about how you know getting first off some structure into the week right um, and, and having that really bedded down and having uh, people taking some of the tasks off their hands that 
they shouldn't be doing and that it's better off outsourcing and, and getting them to focus on what it is they should be doing, which was their profession and, and not the peripherals around it. So that sort of straight away took a lot of stress off this person from a, a work perspective, um, made them or enabled them to, to get their day and week looking how they wanted it to look. Uh, and then, then because of that, I guess, freedom of time, then we're able to, to see more patients and then also still sit in, uh, fit in some time for, for movement. So you know, I guess just by sort of stepping back and reflecting and, and having, you know, I guess, me, a more neutral person, look over and saying, well, you know, here's a few things we can do. And they've ended up with a, a more structured week that suits them outsourcing stuff that is wasting their time and better off being done somewhere else um, but still has the same outcome for, for patients but is, you know, is being done by somebody else, frees up their time to see more patients, which equates to more revenue, um, but then also you know, actually got time back in their day to, to get moving again, which made them just overall a, a happier person. Awesome. I love it. I love hearing that. And I'm, I'm really... Really grateful to you, John, for taking, you know, these lifestyle hacks and ideas into, you know, into the worlds of these really important professional people that are doing amazing work in the world so that they can, you know, serve, serve us better, you know, because they're going to be uh, in a better place in all areas of their life, but also that they can then go on, you know, not burn out. You hear of all these young medicos having these ridiculous long weeks and, you know, being over, overstressed. And it's just not, it's not sustainable, is it? It's either just going to, you know, just not be an attractive industry to attract new people into and then, and then what kind of mess would we be in? So it's very, yeah, look, and very important. And work. it's across a lot of industries, right? I mean, we're, mm. we are now working in a world that even 10, 15 years ago was vastly different. We didn't have emails on our phone. We didn't have social media bombarding us in the face, telling us what we should look like, feel like, smell like. You know, we we didn't have the the extremes of work pressures around performance to to you know with these revenue targets that are you know laden upon some people as well. And it just seems that you know levels of, of stress and expectation has has been. You know, huge, hugely increased over the last sort of 10, 15 years um, and people are still trying to to achieve all of that because they have to eat and they have to pay their home loan and they have to you know, cover their, their expenses, living expenses. So you know, we are living in a massively um, stressful environment and it's about stepping back and taking some time to kind of um, assess what they can do to mitigate some of that stress and, and make life that little bit more tolerable and enjoyable and technology can work certainly for you and it can certainly work against you as well so it's getting that right mm, absolutely definitely the age of notifications is put you know, just just the oh. craziness it's crazy it's crazy like you know and i think my mum worked in an office you know they used to write letters to each other and uh, someone would dictate yeah. it. it would get written up the next day by the typist posted you know, sent but like weeks before correspondence. Whereas, like now, yep. if you don't reply to something on Facebook within the hour, your customer's pissed off. <laughs> it's just oh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's things on Facebook now I've seen where some people are posting these stupid pictures. It could be anything, like somebody holding a beer, and it says, 
um, tag your mate in this and if they don't respond in five minutes, they owe you a beer. And I'm thinking, what? What's kind of funny? But I'm thinking it's also creating this, uh, like, expectation that people should be constantly on Facebook mm. so that they can respond to these memes and, t- and these, you know, being tagged in, in these posts. I'm like, it's, that's it's humorous, but it's that sort of stuff that's creating a really, really bad culture with social media. It is. It is. I agree. I haven't seen any of those, but um, hopefully nobody will tag me in them because I ain't got no time for that. <laughs> I ain't got no time. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Which brings me nicely from beer to my three favorite questions on my podcast. Whoa. Now, I know that I think, uh, I'm assuming, that you do like a glass of wine because you've already told me how much you like to hang out in the Barossa Valley in the wonderful <laughs> Australia. Now, what are your thoughts on wine, chocolate and coffee? Please, John. Mm. All necessities of life in moderation. <laughs> Everyone would say moderation in the response to this, wouldn't they? Surely that's the most general answer, everything in moderation? No, um, no, no. I think it's really no. interesting. Yeah, because I, I thought that it would, there would be pretty much all three no's, you know, like, but I like them. So I'm just trying to, to look for reassurance from all of my <laughs> podcast guests that that's okay for me to enjoy these things in life. But actually coffee and alcohol usually get the bap-bow, whereas chocolate, <gasps> chocolate, Pretty much is 100%. Everyone likes that. There you go. Well, I guess my my uh, my actual view would be all three's all three are a yes. Take quality over quantity, and substitute if it's becoming excessive. That would be my thing. So, if you're going to have wine, have a nice wine, but just have one or two glasses. Don't have a whole cask of $5 wine. Have a nice glass of wine and enjoy it. Um, so quality over quantity. Uh, same again with the likes of chocolate. I mean, I, yeah, I, I do eat chocolate, but I don't eat, you know, your, your milk chocolate type things and chocolate bars, that sort of stuff. But if we're going to have any in the house, it'll be a really, really good quality dark chocolate. Um, and coffee, yep. Absolutely. I do have coffee in my day, um, but I limit it to one coffee and it'll either typically be just a black coffee or if I'm feeling that jazzing it up a little bit, I might have a <laughs> coconut latte. Whoa, crazy. Going mental <laughs> with a coconut latte. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's very cool. No worries. Now, we're just getting to the end of the show, so I was wondering, are there any fi- is there like a f- one final message or any final tips that you want to leave the audience with today before we wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for, for me, people definitely are starting to understand there's a correlation now between achieving their career or business success and, and success looks different for everyone, but there is a correlation between that success and looking after yourself. So for me, I think take some time to reflect on what it is you're doing at the moment from a work or career point of view, assess, is it making you happy? And if it's not making you happy, then look to what changes you can implement 
to bring some of that happiness back into your working life. And it might be a gradual career change or it might be just a change inside the business, but take some time to reflect on and what, on what that is and where you want to be. Um, and then also understand that to then make it to wherever it is that that end result is, you need your machine to be operating as, as good as it can be. Um, and so taking some time to, to eat well, to move regularly, um, to spend some time on the mindset and, and manage, you know, things like dream boards or, or you know, vision boards, uh, managing stress, all that sort of mind-focused things uh, is really important. Um, but also a, a last little point I, I, I love to say to people is really, really being conscious of the environment in which you operate as well. So the environment is not only a physical environment. No one likes to work in a dark little room in the basement of a building, but the environment is, as well as um, a big quote I say is you're the byproduct of the five people you surround yourself yes, with the most. I say that too. It is such a good quote and it's so <laughs> true. So, you know, look at, look at where your career and, and, and business journey wants to go and, and then look at, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with and if they're dragging you down, then, well, you might have to make some tough decisions and, and, and make some changes to the group around you. Mm, it's harsh, but it's so true. And when you look, when people who've had a, you know, transformation, a life transformation or a health transformation, when you look back over the years, you're like, oh, that's right. I don't hang out with her anymore or her or him, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can't choose family. That, that can be more difficult. <laughs> do you have to count them in the five people? Surely not. I do. Do you? I'm ruthless. No, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, yeah. Friend, friends and colleagues. They're friends your priorities. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, fabulous note to end on. John, thanks so much for your time today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks, Helen. Appreciate the time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.